August 5th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. Since fewer people are going to doctors out of fear of contracting COVID, a newly released study showed that cancer diagnoses fell by half during the U.S. lockdown. No word on when Donald Trump will tweet out that we cured cancer by not testing for it. Trump says he's considering giving his Republican convention speech from the White House lawn, saying it's, quote, a beautiful setting and a beautiful alternative. I guess Mar-a-Lago was booked for a wedding that day? Trump tweeted that people are not happy that MLB and NBA players aren't standing for the national anthem. He probably thinks that that's why people aren't showing up for the games. Joe Biden will not accept the Democratic nomination in Milwaukee due to coronavirus concerns. Let's just hope that not showing up in Wisconsin doesn't do to you what it did to Hillary Clinton in 2016, Joe. It's been announced that Tony Danza and Alyssa Milano are developing a Who's the Boss sequel. They might want to call it, wait till the boss finds out you greenlit this. After multiple reschedules, Disney has decided to release its blockbuster live-action version of Mulan on Disney Plus for an additional $30 charge. For parents, this cost might seem high until they realize that this is the first big-budget Disney movie where the screaming kids watching it can be sent to their rooms. Jeff Foxworthy is selling memorabilia from his career as part of a moving sale at his house. This might very well confuse anyone who thought Foxworthy's home was always mobile. A theater in Portland, Oregon canceled an upcoming screening of the 1990 Arnold Schwarzenegger comedy, Kindergarten Cop, after complaints that it romanticizes over-policing. Yep, we're not making that up, really. It's not a rule law. This morning, FBI agents raided the home of YouTube star Jake Paul. What they were looking for, we have no idea. Which, ironically, is what we keep saying about the people following Jake's videos on YouTube. Ryan Reynolds apologized for marrying Blake Lively on a plantation. Wow, wait till next week when he asks Jews to forgive him for that summer trip to Germany. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily Cast and Crew Roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Aiello, and as always, I'm joined by some of our TMI Hollywood family. Tonight, we also welcome William Clear from the podcast Pop Talk and Alien. He will be our guest panelist, and he will be joining us the entire show. Thanks for joining us. Let's say hello to everyone watching us at home or listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or their streaming service of their choice. Let's start with you, Pete. Hey, I'm on today just to dispel the rumor that Joe and I are the exact same person since we're never on camera at the same time. But our blood feud, that's a whole other story. (laughs) Shana? Hello. Hello. I'm excited that we have another blood feud amongst our ranks. Um, I hope that um, those of you who are only listening, it is as stimulating as it is to watch. Joe? I can't wait to talk about aliens and the fact that we should just go into space and nuke, nuke Earth from there. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> Chris? What's up? <laughs> That's all you got. <laughs> David? What up, y'all? This is David Hardy coming at you 
Um, I like jazz, and I also like long walks on the beach. Good to be here. Good to be here. Oh, Thanks, I'm going to take my pants off now. <laughs> Hey, I'm Emma, and I can't you believe you've made me follow David and his voice again. <laughs> Sorry, Emma. And Phil, you want to say hello to everybody watching? Or hello, listen? I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you all. David, after your intro, I kind of just want to go listen to some smooth music and not do this now, but uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll carry through. <laughs> so before we get started, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with it and where people can listen to it? Yeah, you can listen to it on all the major podcast providers, Spotify, Apple, uh, iHeart, whatever. Um, the idea started because I, I back in... I started in 2015, there was no, like, alien news. There weren't UFO videos coming out every five minutes like there are now. So, um, I, you know, I've told Roswell stories in Area 51 and everything. But it's called Pop Talking Aliens because I also like to do non-alien shows where we talk about Star Wars. Usually those shows, I'll have a, a co-host, my friend Charlie Crabtree, will, will join in and we'll review Star Wars movies. We'll talk about uh, albums that have come out. We'll... Mm-hmm. You know, just t- talk about stuff that's that's current and popular, Stranger Things, Walking Dead, that kind of thing. So kind of alternate between those and then the alien shows are kind of just me telling stories and, and trying to make simplify very complicated UFO tales from from over the years. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for joining us today. So let's get started. 2020 has been a unique year, mostly for really bad reasons. As we've been coming to grips with the last few months, almost anything seems to be possible. That's why last month, when a Senate committee report detailing the spending on the U.S.'s intelligence agencies showed that the country was paying for a program called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, it almost went unnoticed. This was until two weeks ago when the New York Times published a story about the program. Well, then let me ask you, do you know anything about the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force? Yeah, well, it, it actually, it's, a, it's an offshoot or a continuation of something that was called ATIP, which was the aerospace, I have it here on a, on a sticky, Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And that was uh, ended in 2012. And now we have this, this new program, which started up, I think, in 2017 and has now been declassified. So basically, this has been going on for God knows how long and how many titles it's had. I mean, it's only until now that we've been we've been finding out what these things are called and sort of what their purposes are. But uh, in general, it's it's task all sound. What's that? Did I lose sound? What? Yeah, you good? You good? Okay. Oh yeah. So it basically it's. Its job, as was the last one, I think the last one being called ATIP and including the word threat, maybe kind of put people off. So they took out the word threat and they made it a little softer, but it's still basically the same thing. It's just the, it's the investigation of these crazy things that are flying around that pilots are seeing all the time that have been captured on video. I mean, that, that's three of them that we have. There's three videos, yeah. but there's tons and tons of reports. And it's also to sort of try and move the whole thing closer to the public eye and to take away the stigma of these pilots and these military people who are reporting these things so that they can, you know, feel free to report them because 
obviously there's there's stuff out there and and it's debatable as to what it is but um it it's definitely undeniable at this point so that's why this this new task force has been created or as a lot of people think just sort of carried over from the last one hey joe uh bill i mean uh the new task force seems to be like it says is there's a lot more of letting the public in and all that but it also seems to be uh legitimately like like they're 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 really looking at this whereas like if i remember correctly from the old days like project blue book their whole uh idea was to debunk as much as they could and this doesn't seem to be that way why do you think that there's now today a change where back then it was we've got to try and make sure that all of this gets debunked you know, I, it's a great question, and I've asked myself that a lot, because you're absolutely right. I mean, Project Blue Book's point was basically to debunk UFO sightings, you know, and they had, I, I've looked at the criteria for different things that, that they could dismiss, um, and, and it goes from anything to obviously like a weather balloon to something called, I've talked about this on my show, but there, there's something in their list of things that it could be called Midsummer Madness. And it literally is called that. And I had to look that up, and it was all I could find was a band called Midsummer Madness. Well, but it no, turns Will out Smith it was... talked about it in summertime. So I mean, he definitely you, did. You can just go by that, that. Yes. That, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get a little hot. I guess it was some festival where they shoot off lights and stuff like that. But as to why, um, and then there's a story about the Majestic Twelve being the secret society of people investigating UFOs, and um, you know that that's been supposedly debunked or has been debunked. It's it's a it's a it's a debatable story, but why they're now be, being more and more open about it, I think, and this is just me thinking, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think one of them is it's good timing with everything that's going on right now to sort of, you know, there's like the whole idea news of dumping everything on, on the weekend so no one kind of sees it and it just goes under the radar. Um, but the other thing I think might just be the fact that it's so obvious and they've kind of tested the waters by... A, 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 th- a thing here, a video here, another thing here, slowly but surely just giving us a little bit like, you know, a little breadcrumb trail to the point where they feel like, okay, you know, people can handle it. They're not freaking out. It's not War of the Worlds. So maybe if we just keep, you know, putting out this information piece by piece, people will be chill about it and, and you know, won't start swinging from telephone wires and, you know, digging bunkers and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I that could be it. I think you're. I think you're right about that, man. Like, I feel like that is a thing that, like, because I mean, even if you look at just how we progressed from like 1950 till now, like how how we just shot forward technologically, wise, like you know, imagine telling somebody in the 50s that you could have a little device in your pocket that could connect you to somebody halfway across the world. Their minds would they would probably be like, "Oh, this is witchcraft. Like, this is some kind of like demon worship." shit like that you know what i mean so now that we've kind of gotten a little bit further along in in our progression and 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 we've kind of evolved essentially at least on a technological level i think we can handle the idea that there might be other beings out there i mean because i mean even the idea of space people were like hey don't talk about that that's that's like too bizarre but like now we've you know sent satellites and things and taking pictures of things that were you know, so far away, we couldn't even comprehend. And, and I think people are more, uh, uh, like, comfortable with that idea being out there. 
I also think it's it's because of, you know, sci-fi really kind of like they're like literally what you just said from the 50s on. Uh, it's it's been like whatever we've seen, like Dick Tracy, uh, Star Trek, uh, those those things are real. 2001, uh, those models that he was using uh, for I mean, we go into that later, but the models that he was using was NASA. Uh, NASA wanted to use, uh, was using it anyway. Those are the blueprints of like what what they're going to use to go to the moon anyway. So like a lot of the stuff we've we're, we're kind of already you know desensitized uh, of it anyway because of like not only just the progression of the 20th century, but what we've, what we've been doing in the past 20, 20 years of, you know, uh, like our phones or tablets. I mean, right now during a pandemic, if you go back a hundred years ago, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had this, what we're doing right now. So I think as a, as a, as a species, I think we've, we're, we're more accepted to it, not only because of the technology that we have like in our hands, but also what we've seen on screen. Yeah, I think so too. I think, and it's like, I'm sure Hollywood has helped uh, people kind of, you know, acclimate to the idea because like every movie, we always beat the aliens that come attack us. So like, I'm pretty sure like, you know, decade after decade, there's at least five movies a year where like uh, aliens attack and we beat them every single time. So, you know, that probably builds up some kind of false confidence in us. But also like in the 50s, in the 50s, all those movies were alien attacks earth. And then now you've got like arrival interstellar like that where, Hey, let's see if we can understand these guys. So I think that that's a big difference too. Yeah. But, but let me, can I ask you a question though? I, I mean, I remember that, uh, I guess maybe from a film class or something, that most of the films from the 50s that were alien related were usually some kind of subtext about communism. And so, <laughs> so it, it's almost like we were making movies to, to create the aliens as the, the villains because we were basically saying, well, this is what communism really is. And so, you know, we we're just kind of doing it for, with subtext. And and so you know I don't know when that changed maybe maybe where the Cold War changed and uh, ended but it seems like that was a that was a big reason why I guess people were so so indoctrinated into believing that aliens were going to come here and be evil when they got here. I mean, am I correct? Uh, well, I, I think the, the, the word uh, sorry just real quick I think the word uh, desensitize is the perfect word because. I think, and I do think that originally, like, aliens were used as sort of, uh, you know, yeah, there was like a subtext of communism and of Cold War. There were Cold War uh, elements to those those movies. And I think as we got to 2001, Close Encounters, Star Trek, um, and then on and on and on, where we had more of these movies that just kept, you know, giving us aliens and normalizing things like Area 51, I mean, there's an alien, you know, on the phone. There's an emoji of uh, of an alien on our on an iPhone, you know, which begs the question: Do they have an emoji of us on theirs? Obviously, <laughs> but um, God, I hope not. <laughs> it's been so it's it's been so like normalized <laughs> in the culture that the idea of this this type of alien existing becomes less and less. Uh, scary, I think, and and the polls show that more and more and more people are believe that you know there's been some sort of alien contact, and mm-hmm. are less and less afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the idea that the U that the U.S. was investigating into UFOs is nothing new. In fact, two weeks ago on here on TMI Daily, we celebrated the anniversary of the famous Roswell incident, in which the U.S. Army claimed a weather balloon crashed down in Roswell, New Mexico. 
That incident has been the host for hundreds of conspiracy theories, as witnesses at the time of the event claimed that there was no way that what crashed down in Roswell was a balloon, because it resembled a disc of some sort. William, you probably know more about Roswell and theories surrounding it, so would you mind giving us a little bit of information in regards to it? Yeah, well, I, that's the, one of the most interesting cases to me, also because it still exists, and it, it, even today, you know, we are in possession of these meta materials, these materials that they're not sure that they they don't think are man made, and um, that the military has, and uh, I think Robert, I think Bigelow, the, the billionaire, now has it, and people think that that might be from Roswell. So even even today, but yeah. One of the interesting things about Roswell was that the first thing they announced, the military announced, was we found a flying disc. And then they changed it to, oh, no, it was a weather balloon, like, the next day. And then it became, over the years, a radar-detecting balloon. But then there were all these people saying, well, wait a second, there was, the, there was a disc, and it had these alien bodies in it. It wasn't just all this garbage on a, on a field. And then so then, so this is, like, 40 years later, then the Air Force had to come out and say, oh, the bodies. Oh, that. Uh, yeah, those were crash test dummies. <laughs> oh, Different wow. thing. Sorry. Sorry about that. Didn't mention that. Yeah, no, that wasn't part of that. We had, we were, and then there were theories that they were, that they were uh, experiments by Nazi scientists that had come over from the U.S. And then just, you know, any just the, uh, amazing, crazy stories that surround Roswell. But I think it's, reasonable to think that there were two in there were two things that happened there was something that involves some kind of body crash this dummy fake whatever alien and then there was all this uh you know supposedly magical sort of tinfoil stuff that you could fold and crush and burn and it would just come back to its 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 normal state and some people think that that's what we have now is that we've recovered some of that and that it's uh that it's um being housed by a billionaire and, and scientists have complained that, you know, they're like, well, can we study this? Are you just going to hold on to this? And um, so there's rumors that that could be from Roswell too. So it continues, it continues to this day. And it's, it's a fascinating story, but every time the military would try to shut the door on that story, some new piece of information would come out that they would then again have to answer for. So I think the military, if I can remember right from the last time I told the story, I think they have five case closed um, books or papers or announcements that they've made. And each time something else opens up that they have to again, close the case on. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you a question? Um, I, I, I read that um, I guess area 51, which I, I think we're going to probably talk about soon, that uh, that is supposedly where anything that came from Roswell was sent to, um, but and it's and it's an Air Force base, I guess, and that over the last few, de- not the last few decades, but over the last 60, 70 years, whatever it is, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, of of our technology as far as like our, our, our different spy planes that have come out of that that uh, specific base. Is is that true? Yeah. Uh, well, Area 51 didn't exist right at the time of Roswell. Those, uh, whatever was taken from Roswell was taken to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And that's true, whatever it was. Um, and then supposedly, you know, a, a couple of years later, as Area 51 was constructed in its infancy, this stuff was brought over there, maybe a living alien, you know, or 
the retrieved crash, whatever it was. And then, yeah, exactly. The, what, exactly what you said. We, the SR-71 came from Area 51, the U-2, um, and then possibly from different parts of Area 51, you know, as Bob Lazar has claimed in S-4, we actually had the, had craft. But yeah, I mean, the, the advances, the aerial advancements that were made from the time that they, of Roswell to the time that they built Area 51 to the time they started creating this, are it, the the speed of which the technology increased is is really amazing. It's astounding. So Independence Day is true. All right, cool. I just that's all I have to say. Yes, uh, absolutely. You know. the, the, the Independence Day is a, is basically a documentary. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I have a question from an online viewer that I want to share with you guys from Heidi Estrada. She says, "I would like to think that aliens are like us and change the shape and design of their vehicles. Would they still be discs today?" Any thoughts? I, uh, that's a good question. You know, Bob Lazar, uh, you know, the, the whistleblower who, who first exposed Area 51, his claim was that they had nine craft there and that they were all different. Mm. Um, the one that he worked on was a classic disc, like you would see, uh, you know, the, the typical UFO, but that there were other different types of, of shapes to other ones, but he didn't really get close up to that, so. Yeah, maybe maybe by now they've got, you know, the super stealth, like, uh, triangle. Well, there are triangle UFOs that people see all the time, too, so. Mm -hmm. That's the kind I saw. You saw one? I did. Triangle? You want to tell us about that? Yeah, I want to talk about that, Shayna. Well, it was when I was in New York. I was at a friend's house in Staten Island. We were in their backyard. We were hanging out, um, and we both were looking up at the sky because I was I lived in the city you you could see more stars than you could see in Manhattan on Staten Island it's not like you could see a ton but you could see a little more and we were both looking up at the sky talking and then all of a sudden there was these like it was making a triangle shape it was kind of like this like the shape of the crafts there was a craft here there was a craft (laughs) here there were crafts here and they kind of flew like like this like a butterfly but they were all together like, but it was like a butterfly, not a, not in any kind of plane pattern is what I'm saying. They were not flying like this, like planes do, or like this. It was nothing like that. They were flying into like that all around. And then they were there. It was happening. Neither one of us was saying, it was me and my friend. Neither one of us are saying anything to each other. This sky show, red and blue and green lights. And then all of a sudden, zoom, they fly out of the sky shot, like completely gone. Like they weren't even there. Then literally five minutes later, his street and the streets next to them had fucking black cars flying down the road. These black Lincoln town cars, these like black chargers, like all these fucking black ass Black, men in black cars come flying down the road. You know, um, you know what I've heard. I've heard that like men in black is real. Like because yeah, in, like, I lived I in mean, Arizona. It, like I heard it was just straight up real. Where, like where I was from, because like we see so many UFOs over there. It's crazy. But that's what I'm saying. This is this is what this is literally what, all that <clears> I can <throat> say is this is what I saw. This is what happened. The cars drove because this was over the water. This was over um, the ha- the uh, harbor. Yeah. So it, they were they drove all the way down to where the water was. They were there. Then there was like a boat and a helicopter, which were both like stealthy. They were not, I mean, you couldn't see them unless you were literally looking at what was happening. And then they all like backed up, drove away. No one ever 
came to see if we were there. No one ever asked us, but, and we were, and we, we both, I was like, did you fucking see that? He was like, I fucking saw that. And I was like, and the cars and the black cars. And he was like, yes. I was like, and the fucking copter. He was like, yes. I was like this. Did we just see fucking UFOs? He was like, let's go inside and smoke a joint. I really don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Shana, I don't mean to demean your your um, your story, but this was Staten Island, New York. You sure it wasn't like a Guido throwing like no. pizza boxes out his window? <laughs> I, I mean, because 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 to be fair, the whole thing about the black town cars—that's probably in Staten Island. No, I know, but it was no, it was over the harbor. There was no way it was anybody throwing pizza boxes. It was literally <laughs> just, over. New just York. wanted to make sure. I'd like Gina, to say, are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't a publicity stunt like the I Love Lucy episode with the women from Mars? No, no. Okay, it was, it was the Brady Boys. I just want to say, uh, Shana, how much I've enjoyed being on the show with you since you will not be here tomorrow. <laughs> Definitely. You will I know. I really tonight. don't tell that story very often. Shana, you've been really nice. Bye. Really great having you oh, on the show. I, I don't tell that story because I watch the X Files, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there'll be a cigarette smoking man at your door in five. Oh, Marvel man. <laughs> oh, Marvel man. No, no, not the Marvel man. So- so going back to the, the recent news of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, in 2017, the Times reported about a program called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that had been in operation between 2007 and 2012 when it was supposedly defunded. It turns out that the program continued beyond 2012 but became more secretive and that members of the program had briefed the Defense Department as recently as this March. Does anyone know what startling information leaked out of that briefing? Anybody? Well, I mean, I, I read that, um, I guess the, there's an astrophysicist who was part of the, uh, the program who said that they, had, that they he was 100% certain that they had material from some kind of outer world vehicle that was definitely not built with materials from our planet or something to that effect? He called it, um, I can actually fill in that gap. So his name is Eric Davis. He's an astrophysicist and a consultant to the program. Um, And he said that the U.S. government is in possession of what he called a, quote, off-world vehicle not made on this earth. And this all came months after former Blink-182 member Tom DeLonge released three videos of supposed unidentified flying objects that the Pentagon admitted were authentic. So that's where that came from. Does anybody want to add anything to this? Eric Davis is, has been a part, if I'm, if I'm correct, and I think I am, of a ton of different briefings with um, the Senate Intelligence Committee, the Department of Defense, the Office of Naval Intelligence, so this is the guy that is very well respected um, in his research and what he knows uh, about all of this. So when he said, when he comes out of these meetings with several, of, you know, with the highest of the highest government agencies and, and is willing to say, yeah, we've got vehicles or pieces of parts of vehicles that were not made on this earth and say it very definitively, that's a big deal. And that's, you know, that's, that was, what was that two weeks ago that, that happened? And, and, you know, people certainly like me were, were, were freaking out. And uh, because that's, that's the closest, that's definitely, it, 
the closest we've ever come to any sort of admission of, of anything like that. Well, weren't there a lot of things that happened? I mean, I'm saying um, from Roswell that a lot of technology that a little simpler that developed like aluminum foil, like Tupperware that people say stem from that too. Um, that the science for developing those things stem from those things as well. I know that's conspiracy theory, but a lot of people, people have said that. There's a book called The Day After Roswell, which has been hotly debated over the years. It was written by, a, uh, I think, a colonel in the military. And it's, it's debatable as to what his real credentials were, or what he was actually involved in when he was, when he was in the military. But he has a book called Day After Roswell that basically talks about that. It, it just cites all these different things that we came up with within the, you know, the 10 years or so after Roswell like that, that we wouldn't have been able to come up with that quickly had it not been for some sort of capturing of advanced technology. Bill, let me ask you this. What do you know about the Tom DeLong videos? Well, I, it's funny because when he, he was first saying before those came out and he was, he was running around talking about how he had stuff like that and everyone thought he was a freak show. And then he actually produced these videos and then the New York times picks it up and, and it's, you know, it's all over the news. It's on national news. And then finally, I think it was this year, right? It wasn't, wasn't long ago that the Pentagon finally said, okay, okay, it's real. Bef- no, before they said that. Two months ago they said it. Yeah, and then before that, they had said, well, we even have more than that, but it would present gra- a grave threat, grave the word they used, to national security. And so they had to hold on to some of it. So whether or not they're still doing that, they haven't, they haven't uh, specified. Um, it's, it's all declassified now, technically, although apparently if you request more information about it through freedom of information, you, you, you'll get you know, you'll get the shaft, but um, yeah, Tom DeLong was, was on it. And there, you know, he had talked to people who wanted to report it. He said, just, you know, hold on, New York times is going to do this, you know, so we want it to come from a credible news source. And then the New York times was the one that reported this last thing about the guy saying that we had the off world vehicles. And um, you know, they, they also, there were other news people that, that knew about that, but it was like New York times, like, hold on, let us get it out. Because when we say something like that, people, mm-hmm. people tend to, to listen rather than a local reporter or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's assume that in the next few months, this task force's findings are released and prove that we have more than likely been visited by someone or something from another planet. Will any of you be surprised? No. No? No. Yeah, I agree. No, I, mean, I, I think I think there's a certain amount of arrogance that, that not just in this country but in this Thank whole you. planet that we might be the only intelligent life forms in the yeah. universe. Yeah, and, and 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 I think it's I, I think if anything from this pandemic is proven is especially in the United States we're not even smart enough to figure out how how to get rid of a virus. So the idea of us being the only people that could potentially leave the uh, leave our planet and go to another galaxy or whatever, or whatever else is just asinine. So. It just—I can't imagine that we're really, literally, the best that the universe could have come up with. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And also, you know, when we went to the moon, I mean, which was a really great achievement, especially at the time for the technology we had. That's still baby steps, huge baby steps. I mean, we talk about going to Mars; we've been talking about it forever, but uh, that's still—I still think that's a long time coming. Um, Isn't it? Like uh, a I'd like to see it in away? my lifetime, but we'll see. Yeah. So yeah. that's still like there's baby steps. 
I mean, well, yeah. those astronauts who just came. I'm sorry, Emma. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Real fast in that vein. Happy birthday, Curiosity Rover. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, because that's what I was just going to say. Those astronauts that just came back. I mean, did you see that capsule? It looked like a yeah. mar- it looked like a burnt marshmallow on one side. I mean, yeah. there, so there's still that work that needs to be done with that. You know what I mean? Because Elon Musk was like, he was even like, thank God. Thank God yeah. they got back okay. <laughs> and now yeah, I mean, we've that. You know what I mean? So it's like, we've got a lot. I agree with you, Joe. We're just starting our mm-hmm. exploration of space. And I think that there's going to be a lot more unmanned <clears throat> missions to other. I mean, because Mars is the only place where we could potentially go right. to survive. Yeah, I mean, I mean if, if, if the, the man who created Tesla is, is the guy that's spearhead, spearheading the best innovations in space uh, technology right now, then we really are not doing that well. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean that's more government than than anything. You know what I mean? And because, like, I remember it's just the whole plot problem with the planet, though. Yeah, and I I remember specifically because I was like I had to be like in sixth grade, and I was super excited that we're gonna have like we were supposed to be like um, having some sort of like habitation in space, at, like by in two thousand, and then by oh four we were supposed to have some sort of station on on the moon but then 9-11 happened you know what i mean and and so like we we were supposed to be doing so much like 2000 to to, to 2010 was supposed to be like a big exploration of of the of of our solar system pretty much and to see if we could live out in space so by the time from so the 2010s would be like okay what else uh, can we can we live there can we can we have families there? What is it? What is it? And then come back to Earth and then and see what the properties are and then go to moon. Then go to the moon. I mean, not the moon, but I meant Mars. So like, I just feel like a lot of government stuff got kind of got in the way, and so therefore that's why we have somebody who who's from Tesla like doing this sh- shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I think we all knew that it was going to be privatized. You know, yeah. I-, I feel bad for the aliens that have been watching us all these years because. This year's got to feel like season eight of Game of Thrones. Like the writers just got really lazy. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, I, we're not watching this. Look for like them to stop coming now. It's just like, yeah, forget it. This is like, it was really great the first few years, but now it's just like, what the hell is this? It's like a zombie apocalypse. It's like fucking boring. It's like, it's like Earth is the Polish joke of the universe. It's like, how many Earthlings does it take to go to another galaxy? None, because they're too fucking stupid. I would like to apologize to all of our Polish listeners. Uh, <laughs> I'm not making fun of Polish people. Guys. I'm just saying they're all Polish jokes. <laughs> well, you know, I was also thinking, it's like, so it's like one of those things, too, where it's like, it's almost arrogant of us to even think about, like, colonizing another planet where we don't even understand, like, 80, a good 80% of the shit that we have right here on this earth. Like, we right. still haven't explored the ocean. We don't know what the fuck is down there. Of there could course. be aliens literally in the ocean <laughs> that, like, have been, you know, put here before Man. we could even, like, bump, you know. Bump the ocean, dude. Bump the ocean. I'm talking about Australia. Those are some a- alien like insects down there. I don't what know about, them. <laughs> what about Antarctica? We have no shit. one's even tapped that shit because it's no. frozen as fuck. Antarctica is, I'm telling you, that's yeah. some I fucking mean, alien shit right we, there. You want to go to Pluto? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna I'm be, still trying yeah. to figure out the popularity of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> So Bill, I'm going to ask you the final question for so many years, people who promoted, followed and believed the stories about UFOs were often ostracized for their beliefs. This is a two part question. 
Why do you think that's been the case? And how will people be looked at if our government gives us some kind of concrete proof of UFOs? That's a good one. I think, um, I think part of why people have been ostracized for, you know, being, being into UFOs or, and just talking about them all the time and stuff is I think that most of the people that, that have perpetuated the stories about UFOs are, you know, extremely big personalities or they are fucking crazy or, um, you know, the, the st- for every like credible thing that may have happened, there's a hundred insane things of, you know, the insane stories, right. That have, that have come down over the years. And there's been so many lunatics that have perpetuated space alien stories. So they all kind of just get lumped in together. But I think that there are, there are reasonable people over the years. Like Nick Pope is one that comes to mind. He's on like the British guy that's on, every UFO documentary that ever lived, you'd definitely recognize them. But people like that who are respected and who have, you know, kept a cool head about things that are sort of, you know, hopefully going to be vindicated by this. And it will also reduce the stigma of, like I said earlier, like pilots and, and policemen and people of, you know, that, uh, that say they, they see these things, and, and don't have to hide about it or not admit it or just tell their friends or whatever. So I think that the crazies are going to claim victory. They're going to be loud and cheer and say, ah, oh, see, I was right the whole time about all this crazy stuff. But the people that have actually been sort of level-headed about it and have been true investigators about it are, are going to be, you know, to some extent, hopefully vindicated and, and hopefully the, the attitude towards it will change. Uh, because, if, again, if we have, like, start having concrete evidence of stuff, then it's going to be harder to tell those nutty stories anyway, because it's going to be like, well, what is that? We already know that we have this, and it's not uh, <laughs> lizard aliens or Hillary Clinton's a lizard type of stuff. You know, no, we, we have the, the, the evidence of, <laughs> of what's actually happening. Okay. Okay, so it's time for just one question. I'm going to pick some of the topics from the top of the show and ask you one question about that topic. This morning, FBI agents stormed YouTube star Jake Paul's home. The reason for the raid has not been announced, but they supposedly found an arsenal of guns in the home. Jake and his brother Logan have been involved in some very questionable stunts on YouTube over the last few years, and they are both millionaires because of it. My question is, what is it going to take for YouTube to make any substantial changes to their creator program that will discourage people like Jake and Logan Paul from doing things like filming dead bodies in Japan or being part of a group of looters in Arizona just for footage? Let's start with you, Emma. Uh, They'd have to be considered a publisher instead of a platform because that's when they get the lawsuits and that's when they lose the money. Uh, Right now, why would YouTube do that? It gets them viewers. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. It's more. It's very amoral. But like, there's no business reason for them to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Joe. I mean, does anybody think that that we're not going to eventually see somebody kill somebody on video to get views? I, I mean, it feels like it's the next step. I mean, it's already, already happened. Been, man. Yeah, over. I mean, there's already been there's already been murders yeah. on, on. But I'm talking about like like a, a YouTube star or an Instagram star or an influencer yeah. 
who, you know, they, they need to up their game now. So the next step is, well, let's, let's, let's drive our cars as fast as we can while we're drinking off a cliff or something. It's or already some happened. crazy thing. You know, it's just, it's, it's like, let's, is, is that day going to, going to, going to make them finally either get regulated or, or no. get them to say, no. you know, we really can't, can't push this, this uh, attitude forward. I mean, before, before we get to another person, but all what you just said has happened on YouTube. Since the since the inception of no, I, I, I get that. I'm just saying, you know I'm saying like I'm talking about when when you know when somebody that has a million subscribers all of a sudden wakes up one day and he's down to nine 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 ninety nine 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 and says, Uh oh, I gotta do something bigger now to get back to that million subscribers and they and they either accidentally or on purpose end up killing somebody. Like is that gonna be the the, the watershed moment where somebody's going to say, well, this has really now gone too far. And either again, mm-hmm. the, the government has to get in or somebody else has to uh, say, this just can't happen any longer. I, I think we all understand your con, like your concept. Like we get what you're saying and we're saying it's already happened and nobody's doing anything. Joe. Yeah. I would just like to say to YouTube, now you have all this Jake Paul money freed up. Why not give it to TMI daily? I think that we're yeah. a fantastic show for that. Uh, and we promise that we will not stash a huge cache of guns, except maybe at Peter's house. But uh, we will uh, stash a cache of tacos for everybody. We yeah, will bring you guns. tacos. Not only will we bring you tacos, <laughs> David will say every YouTube employee's name personally yeah. on their phone I if will. you give us that, that Jake Paul money. So <laughs> that's that's their, their, that is a deal now. and a half right there. Oh, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't think they ever will. I don't think they ever will because they don't have to because they can always say that's not us. That's mm-hmm. not us. Mm-hmm. We're just a platform. Whatever. We're just a platform. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem, and that's the issue. They just kind of wipe themselves off from the responsibility. So anything like Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, it's like they can kick you off or block your account, but like they can't really take. They, they don't. They don't have to take responsibility for what you put out. So because the idea is that they they've offered you this freedom. Now what you choose to do with that freedom is your responsibility. Just like anybody else walking around living in America, you could go and rob banks, but just understand that eventually when you get caught, there's gonna be consequences. Right. I mean I mean the one though I mean um the last thing I'm gonna say is that you guys have you guys seen Alpha Dog? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Alpha it's just with cameras. Like it's it's all like it was already happening previously. All now it's just shown. You know what I mean? So like from for like YouTube, like the first videos that I've seen were people shooting each other like on YouTube, like in 04. So I was like 16 back then. And so like, it's just super weird. YouTube, this is my Venmo right here. Send that money right this way. I promise I will equally distribute it among everybody here. Thanks, <laughs> Joe. Uh, my cash app is right there. There are options. <laughs> So yesterday, Ryan Reynolds took to social media to apologize for marrying Blake Lively on a plantation in 2012. And the theater in Portland was forced to cancel a screening of the 1990 Arnold Schwarzenegger film Kindergarten Cop because it supposedly romanticizes over-policing. The question is, these are the kinds of stories that conservatives claim make them hate liberals and their cancel culture. Hate, when you see uh, stories like this, <laughs> don't they have a point? Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. Ridiculous. Like, first of all, uh, well, here's the thing. I, I, please, I hope that anybody who's on the right side, please don't look at Ryan Reynolds' bullshit as something that, like, 
we they, they're liberals and like their social media forced them to do that was some white guilt mm-hmm. bullshit that he had in his own body that has nothing to do about what's going on in the world like because nobody has ever since he's been like the one of the most popular actors in the world nobody in him and Blake Lively got married we've all known their relationship nobody's ever brought this shit up saying oh I can't believe he married this white like if he had married a black woman at the plantation maybe we would have had a problem maybe we yeah, had something I'm, to say. I'm you know gonna be real with you. Like, I love you, Chris, but I always, I've hey, always had a freaking problem with that, bro. I've you? always had a because the and the, and the and the reason why and the reason why I'm, I'm gonna say is because we don't. If you acknowledge it, do it. But we don't. We we act like it's stupid. That's like us going to a concentration camp and having and having something there and not acknowledging it. I'm just saying well, acknowledge, but no, but sure. but honestly, like acknowledge. Like I think what he should have done would would have been like we should have acknowledged that death was here. We should uh, we should know that because like everywhere in America is like is, is from another culture, you know what I'm saying? It's from indigenous people, and we need yeah. it, and, and we need to acknowledge like death was here, and not just go like, oh, it's pretty, and I don't, uh, and there's no such historical significance about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's that's where I'm at. Saying. I feel what you're saying, but like to acknowledge that, like literally, like you said, everything, like basically, there's bodies all over this fucking country. Like, yeah, this exactly. Place to get but, married unless you get married but, like under the sea, like fucking. But, what I'm but see, it. I don't think he's saying not not get married, but he's saying exactly. that, no, it's, not, that it is a place. That. I'm um, saying that but we no, can't just look at the place as like, like because it's like a place of death and suffering. Yes, we understand that, but like then that means you can't get married anywhere in America. No, 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 no. That's not that's not what I'm saying. What I, what I'm saying is that like just give thanks. Give thanks, uh, give thanks for, for for what we have. You know, what I'm every every other place does this except here. I mean, isn't like it kind the of reason, things? like have, showing instead of like going to a place and, and bringing up suffering that they're showing they're reverence, together so, showing stuff. just showing reverence for the place. Like me, it's not. I don't think that. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, David, no, but I ahead, do think ahead, that he's you. saying talking about reverence about a yes. location, not necessarily you. that you have to. Um, you know, just acknowledging that this is a, this place was mm-hmm. a place for some people that was a horrible place. We yeah. are celebrating here, and there were yeah. celebrations on the plantation when the slaves existed. Yes, exactly. so it's not like that didn't happen. It's just yeah. that it's like to acknowledge that there's this as much as we're celebrating this also was a not great. Yeah, place. and so it's so it's only my point. My point is is it's like going to Tombstone when you go to Tombstone, Arizona. There's you can you can go there, you can acknowledge it, you can have people died there, but it's but people talk about it. We don't even talk about the plant when you go to these plantations, you go and you go around, the only thing that they say is just like, Oh yeah, there were there were people that worked here. Like just tell the like I feel I feel like I'm Will Smith. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Let me ask you a question. Hold on. Let me let me say something. one of the one of the things I'm I'm more concerned about is it's it's not that you're you tell you're hundred percent right. Like that people should acknowledge these kind of things, but I don't think that Monday morning that uh, Ryan Reynolds got up and said to himself, "Oh my God, I just remembered that I got married on a plantation." Right. Thank ago. you. You know, and 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 I think the problem is is not that he did that. The problem is that we're in a culture today that everything anybody's ever done at any point in their life is now subject to some form of of, of scrutiny. And and you know what? And some of it is innocent. 
Because you know what? I'm sure they didn't, you know, he and Blake Lively didn't say to themselves, oh my God, yeah, but that's, where can we go that slaves were at that's some point my, and get married? But that's my point. No, no, but they, no, no, but, but, they, but that's my point. If you knew about it beforehand, if you knew about it beforehand, then therefore we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't be in this position. Well, you they, they I mean? did. I will say this, though. They did actually acknowledge this three years ago and they and got over. married again in another ceremony three years ago because they themselves as a couple acknowledged that it was fucked up that they got married Mm -hmm. on a plantation. They didn't publicly do it. And I think that they're now doing this because of cancel culture, but I I think that they already publicly did. I think they already handled it privately. I think they already acknowledged their shit Mm -hmm. and were, and already took a step. And I think this was so other people don't crawl up their ass about them having pictures of her at the plantation of him at the plantation, because I'm sure there's a gorgeous photos of them yeah. at this and plantation. No, cause it, cause uh, but I think now you're, you, they were super reaching for kindergarten cop. Uh, the reason why they were screening that in Portland was because that movie was filmed there and they were having a whole series of movies that kind of were filmed in the area and they kind of wanted to celebrate, uh, you know, that and the filmmaking that happened there and all that. And like when I heard like the two reasons why they, they, they canceled it, I was like, you guys are really reaching. And a lot of times and we've talked about it on this show before, how you have to kind of take movies and, and books and stuff like that in the, the time it was made. I mean, I love Revenge of the Nerds, but Revenge of the Nerds is it's there's a lot of problematic things with that movie. <laughs> but if you but if you go by when it was made in the eighties <laughs> mm-hmm. and watch it with that mindset and know what's going to happen, then it's okay. And so, and I think they they were super reaching with Kindergarten Cop. I, I think that you. that was that but, was just. But, isn't it all, that. but at the end of the day, isn't it all reaching? I mean, the thing that I, I worry about is that every person on the screen right now it has has some form of public profile. Everybody here, you know, all, has put themselves out there in some way. Some some people on the screen are actors. Some people like William. Have, have a podcast where, you know, Joe and myself, we're writers, you know, it's, it's, we, we all have a public profile. We've all probably done something at some point in our life that maybe we're not the most proud of. And now we all have to sit back and say to ourselves, is there one thing that, that I did that somehow or other could come back and haunt me one day? And, yeah. and the problem what? is, and, and trust me, I know, I know there's a million things Especially when you're dealing with comedy, that that's the case. But, I mean, to me, I, yeah. I just think that there's a, that, that it should bring a shiver up everybody's spine that, that, that this is that this is happening. And the worst part about it is the people that seem to be provocating it the most are the same people that are going to get hurt by it in the long run because yep. nobody's mm-hmm. innocent. Nobody. Something Shana knows about me could cancel me. I, mean, I know. That's, that's what I was just knows. thinking. I was like, yeah. "There's just I can think of just two things off the top of my head that Jay knows casually, yeah. like not even deep." Just casual that I wanna, can cause problems. I just I just want to be clear. Like I'm I'm just talking about the prevention of of like people having you know weddings and celebrations on the plantation. But also I agree 100 percent with everyone else that I feel like they're reaching. They don't need to apologize. You did it. It's okay. Let's move. Let's move on. And I feel like a lot of people miss the nuance a lot instead of like it's not right right now, but it's the opposite. But I know that Emma has been having her. There, there was having her hand up. There's absolutely time. no nuance. Hold on, Bill. Do you want to say something? Oh, just real quick. There was a. There was a. They. The movie Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yes. Was on July 4th, and my mom, <laughs> like you know, grew up loving that movie, and and 
And she was, she's like, I got to watch. It's going to be on Turner Classic Movies. I got to see it because I want to see if they cut out. There's a part where there's a guy in blackface in that movie. I want to see if they cut it out. And what they did was they did not cut it out, but they talked about it for the movie and gave the context of, you know, what this meant back then and, you know, sort of (laughs) condemned it, but also, you know, said this is, you know, this is from a different time, and this is sort of what people thought of this at the time. And to me, that's a much better way of approaching it than sure. let's just cut it out. Let's not show yeah. kindergarten cop because yeah. obviously, you know, uh, a, a bad cop commits murder because he saw kindergarten cop or, or Yankee Doodle Dandy. So if we get rid of those, <laughs> problem solved. It's, you know, just acknowledge the context, and then I think that that keeps that keeps the dialogue going as to sort of the progression of things and how, how we get into these situations rather than just didn't happen. They didn't have a black face scene in that movie. Everything was great. I agree with that. I've seen a uh, similar things for Warner brother cartoons where they say like they've got the screen up before the cartoon starts. Like, Hey, these came out at a different time where people thought certain things were okay. They don't reflect the views of Warner brothers now, but we don't want to take them out. Cause that would be like pretending they never happened, which is a good approach. Um, as for like the people who are doing it in the first place, like, I'm as liberal as they come and like the most hardcore leftists are still the most obnoxious people. Um, I think that that's a smaller percentage of people than we all like than than the time we spend talking about them. Mm. Um, And I think that like kindergarten cop is not exactly super glorifying cops, but I also understand, especially in Portland, they've just had some huge problems with cops. Um, So like it maybe wasn't like, the ideal choice for this time but like it also depends on the response if people are like just messaging the theater and saying like hey i'd prefer it if you didn't show kindergarten cop right now because of you know we were just like invaded by federal cops that's one thing if someone's saying you should all fucking die like that's obviously something different people are allowed Mm. to have their opinions it's when they go into purity politics uh that it gets yeah i don't know what they're complaining about that 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 cop might have a brain tumor well, so, I mean, they, 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 one of the oh, issues that God. I know of with that, that they had was that it, when they say it glorified policing, it was because the policeman was in the school. That was their issue. Mm-hmm. And the other one that was the little boy, the little schools. boy that said, yeah. boys have penises and Poor women have vaginas. Girls have vaginas. Yeah, but I don't, I really don't understand it. Like, have they, have they not seen that movie? Like, have they not seen that movie? Well, then, and, <laughs> then I'm also like, okay, well, then 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump, Street, Jump Street, they yeah. can't be a part of anything. Bad I mean, boys. If it's, about, if it's about people going undercover in school. Nick Cannon's entire canon is out. <laughs> Nick I'm okay with that. I have a question from online. Another question from Heidi. Um, has anyone seen Black Like Me from 1964? And if yes. so, what are your thoughts? Great movie. Yes, I want to know your thoughts. Uh, for I, you know, honestly, I think for, for first of all, if anything, that movie should definitely not get canceled because, and if anything, it's probably. It would always, the only scrutiny is going to come others that is kind of a left-ish idea because the whole idea of the movie was this white reporter wanted to understand what it was like to be black in the 60s. So he went and had this operation done to make his skin look black and lived as a black man for like months at a time in the South. And he ran into like all these problems of like uh, segregation, people threatening him. Like he almost died in the movie because like these this group of white dudes were about to like kill him in the alley. And he wrote this amazing article about his uh, his whole experience, and he like 
kind of opened the eyes. And then he even received more scrutiny on top of that because the people <clears> who <throat> hated him for what he did and the article he put out making them look bad tried to come after him. So it's a great story. I don't think that movie has any kind of problematic uh, connotation to it like because he didn't do blackface you know what I mean like he went and had a, a medical procedure done to mm-hmm. make his skin look darker so it's right. just something different David? I, th- I just think uh, and I remember having a conversation with somebody on Facebook about this that I want the whole story the good the bad and the ugly and I feel like that's what's missing throughout the whole entire thing that isn't I'm not trying to say don't have parties have parties but understand uh, you know what where you're at you know what I'm saying like that's it like no no I'm just I'm just I'm just being honest. I want I I want I want us to to tell the whole story so that we are better for it. I don't like for me if I know the whole story of like oh so this is what's going on. Okay cool. Then we're all Americans and then we can move forward. But I just feel like we we pick and choose and and we like you know my my favorite movie of all time. Just kidding. No it's not. But you know Birth of a Nation was um <laughs> was, was taken out. <laughs> I got y'all with that one. Um, but Birth of a Nation, you know, um, I understand what it did for cinema, but is that the best movie that that director did? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's those are the conversations that we should have. And or also, Gone with the Wind for the same exactly. reason. For the same mm-hmm. reason. Exactly. Way, that's the sexiest anyone's ever said Birth of a Nation. I want to just say that. <laughs> <laughs> No, but honestly, and then and then also have a conversation of like how out the KKK uh, came back because of that movie and how the influence yeah. of art can uh, can actually uh, push society. Art influencing so, life, influencing art. Influencing exactly. Life. So so we need to have the full thing. It's a human experience. We are not we are all not, you know, um, pure. So it especially in this country. I just want to have a conversation. I want to have more. I want to have more understanding instead of just saying, "Oh, we need to take this out. We need to take that out." One of my favorite movies is Training Places. There's blackface in it. It came out of nowhere, and I was like, "What?" But it's still funny, though. It's uh, Silver Street. Yep, Silver Street. And we talk about and and, and you talk about that <laughs> movie where the Gene Wilder was in blackface and all. But you know, Richard Pryor wrote that, and wrote he wrote that whole thing in there. For a point, and uh, yeah. I, I, I was just watching the other day an interview about Gene Wilder because I'm about to read his autobiography, but uh, it's an interesting that. take on that. But, I mean, that movie shouldn't be canceled for that either. I, and the other thing I think that's important is that, and I know that this happened a lot, a lot more, where we only put in one side of an argument now. It seems to be a big thing on college campuses and things like that. When, when the other side tries to talk, there's, there's huge protests and stuff like that. And I think you get a better understanding of things if you hear both sides. You don't have to agree with that side, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I really think it's important you hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? And, and, and even if it's the crazy stuff, to, to kind of get everything and know where you stand and know where you kind of put yourself. Well, we don't. Blazing we, Saddles we don't, is another one yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah. Blazing Saddles. Richard, so Richard Pryor wrote that, and and um, and but it's hard to it, that movie. They don't they don't show it a lot. People get are are, are like gun shy about it. But it's like Richard Pryor was one of the writers of that. And there's a reason for what happens in that movie, you know, and it's, and it's, uh, it, it gets lost in the, dis- the, the discussion gets pushed away. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. that, that's not what that movie is. It's not just a bunch of people running around saying that word. There's a whole mm-hmm. other thing to it. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's using, Street. it's using comedy and satire to push a message and to make people think and make people talk about it. And that's, what's fantastic about that movie. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, even as a kid, when I saw that movie, it totally had a huge impact on me. 
about yeah, race relations. Here. I mean, same one here. of the one of the moments that I remember distinctly is when the the Native Americans are running and then they go, "Oof, the darker than us." To the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, "Eh, they're, they're like, gonna have a worse like, time. Like, Leave them alone." And it's Mel Brooks, and it just makes me. It made me pee even as a little kid because I was like, "Yep, that was the situation." And the My favorite, people, and they're so like, good. "They're gonna let, they're gonna let the blacks and they're gonna let the Chinese, but not the Irish." Not the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so so on this date in 1962, the world's most famous sex symbol, Marilyn Monroe, was found dead from an apparent drug overdose. Mm. We could probably do a whole show about whether or not Marilyn actually killed herself, or if someone very powerful had a hand in her death. But we've already spent a lot of this hour talking about conspiracy theories. So instead, I'd like to ask all of you if there has been anyone since Marilyn who has so completely defined what we call a sex symbol, either male or female. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if we have one currently right now because we have too many, like, models and, and singers and stuff like that. But I think like somebody like Bo Derek was was kind of mm. considered that for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh I also think too, man, surprisingly, I know and some of y'all may not agree with this, but I feel like she was Pam Greer was like up there with Marilyn Monroe status yeah. for like at least yeah. 30 good years. Yeah, like everybody was. looked at her to like when she after she did like Foxy Brown and shit like that, mm-hmm. she was kind of like the standard of of beauty for a very long time. I don't like. I don't know who it could be now, but I think she- I would say I would say now too. I, I would say still now because, like you know, the body. I mean, her pr- proportions are is exactly what people are trying to get right now. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would also add like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like for for a good portion of like because body type. You're talking yeah. about just a uh, yoke that everyone thought that he was like really sexy. Like, trust me, especially in the fitness world, yeah. Arnold is like king still. Like right now, and uh, especially especially <laughs> physique, what I'm trying to get to, uh, I would say that like Arnold is definitely I would say top ten male physique, uh, uh, like poster boy and like sex symbol as well. I would say somebody that I think that really has um has done what I think Marilyn did, which is uh, is Sofia Vergara. I think that she has taken um her brand. And, and developed it in, in a way that to be a specific niche, that is what Marilyn did. She was a specific, a specific niche in Hollywood and she played that. And I mean, because she played dumb blonde better than a lot of women and made that her business. I'm not saying she was a dumb blonde. I'm saying she played that well. And I think Sofia Vergara also plays, you know, the crazy Latino, the same way Charo does the same way that, you know, working that motif, you know, the crazy, sexy, va 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 voom second wife, you know, um, that vibe. I think she's also done the same kind of job with herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Marilyn was her like 12, wasn't she? I mean, that's what, the, you know, so she wasn't like a stick. Really. Yes, but, it, but, but really the thing good. is, is that it's also like, the, that is true. She was a size 12, mm-hmm. but to be honest, sizing was completely different right. back right. then mm-hmm. in, the, in the 50s yeah. and 60s in comparison to now. Mm-hmm. So right. it, right. I, I really I would have been a size eight mm-hmm. or six. I, I think yeah, six a lot of, uh, I, think, I think a lot of us um, look at Marilyn Monroe as somebody, you know, because most, I don't think any of us were probably born while she was still on this earth. Um, so we kind of see her as this iconic figure because she was, we never got to see her in, in, in real life. But from everything you hear, 
she was kind of beyond just the, 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 the prototypical sex symbol because she was essentially what every, I guess, every man wanted and what every woman wanted to be like, I guess, because she wasn't. She was voluptuous, like Veronica said, um, but she was also like a, she was a good actress. She was very funny. Um, and she and she I mean, that's why she was married to, to Joe DiMaggio at one point and then to uh, you know, Arthur Miller at another point. I mean, you're talking about two different spectrums. Um, but I, I mean, I think if, if, if you look at that, there's really, to me, only one woman since her that, that's kind of even come close to that. I'd say probably mid 80s Madonna, because because she she kind of like straddled that same world where she was so much bigger than anything that she did personally. That uh, that it, and, and it was all because of what who she was and her sex appeal, and then she even put out a book called Sex. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't think other than that, I, I don't think there's anybody that you could actually say kind of kind of grab the same the, the same zeitgeist, I guess, that, that Marilyn Monroe. Would. Yeah, I generally agree with that. I think that one of the things that Marilyn Monroe did so well is that not only was she gorgeous and she had the body and she played a certain kind of role but she was also so clearly incredibly smart like she was troubled but there are so many instances where you can see that she was smart so she can keep up with the greatest minds as well it's not just visual stimulation but also mental stimulation and the only thing since her that comes close to me is david's voice (laughs) (laughs) i agree that was great You know, um, uh, I think everybody, though, we're in a different kind of world. Like, I think everybody now has sort of like their what their thing for sex, sexy is and things mm-hmm. like that. And of course, my sexy, my sexy is always uh, nerdy, but I also like the the really good action, independent kind of woman like Sigourney behind me here. Yeah, Sigourney. Um, oh, my goodness. Definitely yeah. on my list. And, and yeah. lately, yeah, bro. I, and I mentioned Alien? the first one, Charlie Theron has become this mm. badass oh, and, and and you know what she she doesn't take any crap and if you ever like listen to her on podcasts and all that she's actually really funny and mm-hmm. i i think she's really grounded well and Very smart, and she's yeah. really becoming like uh, uh, uh to me i think she's that she's kind of where we we want to be with a sex symbol right now I, I agree with you because like uh, I was just talking to my fiance about that um, because we were watching the old guard and I was like, wow, I'm so happy that women are finally above 40 are finally mm-hmm. being able to be looked at not only just as sex symbols, but as strong leads. Because like for a while, if you reach 40, if you were a woman, you're not, that's it. Well, but it like helps now, if you're producing your own stuff, which is what exactly. does. She yeah. does make exactly. all of her own content. Her oh. and Beth Kono create everything that mm-hmm. they do. So, and it is, and it's done with her purposely as the lead. So, yeah, so good. And, and material so good. finding with that in mind. So I just want to say, again, smart woman who knows her brand, knows what she's yep. doing well, exactly. and, then, and then packages it for you in a kind, gentle way for you to have. And, and then also, Warner Brothers, get that Furiosa <laughs> movie back back in the production. Yes, Please. I would totally go see that shit. <laughs> yeah, because like I feel, and if she's paving a way, I mean, like similar to like what Keanu Reeves did with like John Wick, and I feel like that's what she's doing, and it's becoming more of a sex symbol. I also want to put down J Lo. Like I feel like we've kind of missed yeah. J Lo a little bit for the twentieth twenty first century, and especially her continuously being in the conversation since two thousand, since her dress, and then she re- and then remember she wore it again, but a couple of years ago, and she kind of looks better now than she did yeah. then, and yeah. like. And, and like, and I don't know if you guys saw, what was the one where she was played a stripper? Was it Hustlers, I think? Yeah, Hustlers. Yeah, Hustlers. and like, Hustlers. she was so 
good in that. And like the vibes that we're talking about from Maryland, I feel like what Maryland did was set the blueprint. And I feel like a lot of women saw that and said like, oh, I know what she did. I see that. And I, and I see that with, with uh, Charlize and I see that with JLo, all those women who are like, nah, I'm not done yet. Even though I'm above 40, I'm going to do something uh, different and I'm going to create my own and I'm going to pave the way for the next generation of women or even some, even men at the same time, because like what she's doing, I'm like, yo, I need to be like that. There's no excuse. Right. So beautiful. Well, Marilyn never made it to 40, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, what, what, what I mean is the mindset no, of like, I, I got to be smart. Ta- yeah. David, I know what you're talking about. What about you, Bill? What are you thinking? <laughs> JLo was my thought too, actually. Um, and Madonna of, of the eighties. Cause like for me growing up, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the eighties and, and Madonna was like the, the epitome of, of, you know, sexuality. And, um, you know the other the other thing about about Marilyn too that that I think about is that she had a mysteriousness about her. There was a, there was an air of mystery that came along with. I mean, she was just, she had this in, this complete package of being smart, sexy, talented, um, w- knowing how to work fame. You know, just knowing how to what to do, and yeah. and then she was kind of like mysterious. You know, there was like didn't quite couldn't quite pin her down to you know what, exactly what type of person she was there was always like question marks there and I always thought that that was that I mean not I wasn't alive back then but just looking at her at her now she it's it, it's still unique the, the the kind of personality that, that she was but yeah I think for now right for me right now if I look at someone to be JLo and also for me personally Rachel McAdams just mm. love her <laughs> she's, I, I know she's not a sex symbol but she's beautiful she's she smart she she's can so play beautiful. any type of role range to no end and i love it so i just wanted to i wanted to what's up with the mole though i i she could she can afford to get it it's, 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 it's very distracting i'm sorry but this is like she's got a big she's got like one of those moles that if she doesn't take care of it don't start mole shaming on this show peter don't start mole shaming I We're coming after you. I will start talking she's, about like, she's like your third nipple. She's beautiful. I can have Veronica start talking about Veronica, tell us about his skin tags. He could also recall that the mole does Whoa. not do anything Whoa. for us. Emma's that. face no. is killing me. She's <laughs> like, don't you dare mole shame on this show Peter, when you look at her when you look Sorry. at her do you only think moly 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 <laughs> no we were watching one, Veronica we were watching a movie the Euro was it Euro and I just Euro kept saying she's got the money to get rid of the mole by now like, I didn't see him in the first It doesn't do anything to her, though. Come on. <laughs> She's it's that big. It's the same person that can be in, in the notebook and then Spotlight and then Eurovision, and you like her in all of it. I mean, that's talent. Man, I've been, I I've been, I've been on here since. She is stunningly beautiful, but yeah. that doesn't mean she can't get rid of the mall. That's all clearly, I'm clearly, you didn't it see the episode. It could be cancerous. Of, I'm concerned. Hey, hey clearly, concerned. clearly, you haven't seen the you, you haven't seen the famous Jed Jackson episode, okay? So watch the famous Jed Jackson episode, and then you'll come back and be like, "I'm so sorry, I didn't know." I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna talk about it. I'm sorry about the mole comments. All right, just watch, watch that famous Jed Jackson one. All right, that's all I gotta say. 
It's not on Disney Plus for some reason, even though it was one of the most fire shows that Disney ever produced. Talk about it. I know. Talk about I love it, him. So. I love Lee. Lee okay, guys, broke so my today, heart when he passed. So today, oh before gosh, we go, know, me too. I'd like to mention that today is a very special day for us here at TMI. Eight years ago today, we did our first TMI Hollywood preview show at Second City. Pete, would you like to talk about it? Well, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really funny because um, I, I, pulled, I tried to pull clips that we could show today uh, f- from the show. And, and on the screen, I actually have some of it. But I couldn't pull one that was like um, that, that I thought wasn't going to offend somebody, like to the point of maybe, maybe like that thing we were talking about cancel culture earlier. Because there's one there's one sketch where where one of our actresses who I think may have been part Asian of some sort was doing the like the most offensive Asian um, uh, impersonation you could find. There was another sketch called No Homo, uh, which was I guess I guess it was a big term back in the uh, back back maybe eight or nine years yes, ago in the hip hop community. I had a joke and about so, it back then. And, yeah, yeah, and so uh, so it was kind of funny because like watching watching our stuff now. Um, you know, like the stuff that we did eight years ago and, and realizing like how the world's changed in, in eight years. I literally couldn't do, I almost, this just goes to show you how, how hard it was to find something. I almost picked a sketch that we did near the end of the show because I guess Cuba Gooding Jr. had been on trial for something. And so we imagined that the reason why he was on trial is because people were watching his movies and it was causing them to go in the bathroom and eat their own shit. And so... That was that was the least offensive thing that we had in the show, um, and it's and I also wasn't the other, a writer then yet. Yeah, so. No, no, no. no. <laughs> all, all I can all I can tell you is I remember very clearly that that I, I said to our, our my original partner on the show, Julian, you yeah, know, we'll do this for a couple of months and then fucking we'll figure out what to do next. And then after the second show, of the the night of the second show or the, the the week of the second show, I was putting together the script and. And I finished it at like seven o'clock in the morning and then had to go to my job at the time. And all I can remember is I cried for an hour because I couldn't believe I got myself this mess that we had to do this now. And so, uh, you know, somehow one of the 227 more of these shows later, we're still here. You guys are all on the screen with us. And, you know, obviously we can't do state shows, but it just, it really does speak to the resilience of the group of people that are involved you know, the people that were involved, all the people that have died in the last eight years, which is pretty much everybody that I don't talk to any longer. Um, Peter's still crying, too. still crying. Can we also give a shout out to Jason, to Jason Giavecchio? He's the only he, cast member that's been He's with on me. that screen right now. Yeah. Jason on one. screen, yes. He's been with um, the show since day one, so he's the only one left from the original cast, so we miss and, you. And, and, I, and I couldn't figure out how to piss him off enough to leave. <laughs> also, uh, also, just one other thing, real quick. Happy belated birthday, Steve Brewster. I'm sorry I didn't say anything yesterday. <laughs> oh, trust me, he doesn't watch. <laughs> I know, but still. <laughs> okay, well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, Bill, thank you so much. Um, the information about your podcast is on our Instagram page. So we will see you back here tomorrow at 6 p.m. And we're going to be talking about something we all love, which is food with our guest, Ashley Chaney from the podcast, Dear Food. Have a good night, everyone, and stay safe. Bye. Wait, can we get, can we get David to say good night to everybody? Oh, David. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Hey, no one gives a shit. Get out the fucking night. I don't want to get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Come on, David, say it. Hey, hey, we love y'all. Y'all have a wonderful night. Remember to kiss your mom, hug your wives. 
Um, I just want to say goodnight. Cancel. See you guys later. Good night. Cancel.